You're listening to the Fervent Church Podcast, a church in the Austin area who exists so that people may know Jesus. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged, challenged, and strengthened in your relationship with Jesus today. For more teachings, information, or to support our ministry, please visit fervent.church. We pray you're blessed by the message. thank you that we can come here tonight, that we can gather on Facebook Live, God, and that we can just get into your word. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us, that you would be our teacher, God, that you would give us ears to hear what you're saying to the church, that you would give us a heart, Lord, with good soil, that your word would fall upon it, Lord, and that it would bring forth fruit, fruit that you desire, God. God, we pray that you would open our eyes, give us good, um, godly perspective. Lord, help us to see things the way you see it. Help us to hear things the way that you hear, God. Just help us to be in tune with you tonight, God. And we pray this, and we ask this in Jesus' name. And we said, someone type it in the chat there, amen, amen, guys. All right. Um, So last couple weeks, we've been going over this uh, topic of perspective. The first week, we're talking about perspective, and that perspective matters. Say it with me, perspective matters. All right, how we view things, it matters, right? I mean, I think that's an obvious statement, but let me just uh, illustrate it a little bit. How we view ourselves matters. If you look at yourself and you have a little bit of a self pity um, view, or you have this, um, what do you call it? Um, you are, what's the word? Mm. You are, I can't think of the word right now, but you you just don't value yourself, right? You have a self-pity, um, you don't value yourself, and you look at yourself that way, it's like that is going to affect all the other things in your life, how you look at others, how you treat others. You're going to think that those people, like, why do they get that, and I don't get that, and, and different types of things. Your perspective on yourself matters. Uh, take it another step, right? Your perspective of God matters, right? And that's probably an obvious statement right there, but our perspective of God matters. If you look at something and you see something bad happen, like you lose a loved one or someone gets sick with the coronavirus or whatever, and you look at that, but your perspective of God is not properly aligned in life, you will look at that and you will have a perspective or a perception and understanding of God. You're going to be like, see God, I knew that you hated me. See, God, why do you hate me so much? Why do you always send these types of things? When in fact, that would be a wrong, misguided perception and understanding of God. Do bad things happen? Yes, of course they do. Many of us are experiencing them right now. We've lost jobs. We've lost loved ones, people getting sick. Um, So much uncertainty just in the world right now where it's like, how are we going to get bills paid for simple things like our mortgage, electric bill, things of that nature? People are, are in a very interesting, trying time right now. But see, if our perspective of God is not right or proper, and we don't properly align it through Scripture, we can look at these circumstances and situations in our life right now, and we can be just taken astray. Um, We can totally have the wrong understanding and view of God, gain a bitter heart, um, and walk away. and, And it can be very bad. So perspective, again, matters. Perspective matters. Your view of yourself, your view of God, and of course your view of others matters. It matters. Perspective, and I've been saying this the last couple weeks, perspective shapes our perception. 
Proper perspective will lead to proper perception, but an improper or wrong, misguided perspective will lead to a wrong, improper, misguided perception. What I mean by that is our view of things will shape our understanding of those things. So that's why we need proper, God-given perspective. Someone just say, we need perspective. We need God given perspective. Proper perspective will lead to proper perception. And so far what we've looked at over the last two weeks is we've looked at two things particularly. We've looked at a lot of stuff actually, but I'm going to boil it down to two. In the first week we looked at Paul's perspective of God, how he once saw God as one way when he was Saul. His perspective of God in the Bible was so different from what it was at the end of his life. See, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He thought he was somebody. Right? He was a Pharisee. He, he says that he was uh, blameless as when it comes to the law. He was taught by Gamaliel, one of the best teachers of, of that day. Right? So, but, and that was Saul. And so Saul was so zealous for God and what he thought, his perspective of God's word. He thought that, man, if anybody says that they're, um, they follow Jesus, he thought that was a blasphemous statement and that, that, that was deserving of death. Because if, they're, because if he takes the law, right, the first five books of the Bible, yeah, that would be your perspective. Because your perspective and perception is limited to those first five books. And if you know anything about the first five books of the Bible, we see there's the entrance of sin in Genesis. And then we got the law with Leviticus. And then kind of on through there, there's the law being shared and, and uh, implemented, if you will. And so if that was his only view of God and the law, he would think that God is a wrathful God and he's out for vengeance. And anybody that comes against him, anybody that goes against any of these Ten Commandments deserves death. Deserves to be stoned to death, deserves to be in prison, whatever the case may be. And so Paul's like, hey, as it goes to the law, like I was blameless, I was flawless. I held to the law strictly and I enforced the law strictly. And he's like, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was so zealous. And so his perspective was, was, that's what his perspective was. And it was that Christianity was wrong, that Jesus is not God, he is not the Messiah, and these Christians are crazy, and they deserve death, or at least prison, that was his view. But as we know, God changed his perspective. He took him from Saul, and he turned him into Paul. He struck him down with a bright light, he said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul said, who are you? Lord, he said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. Man, how crazy is that, right? He's going out to persecute Jesus, to persecute his church, and all of a sudden Jesus himself strikes him blind, says, Saul, what are you doing? Says, I am Jesus. And really in that statement, he's saying, I am real. I am God. I am the Messiah. I am the fulfillment of all of the scripture in which you try to hold so dearly to and enforce. And he's saying, yeah, I am who I am and you're trying to persecute me. Well, from that moment on, we see Saul, Paul's perspective change just drastically. He turns a 180, right? His eyes are opened and all of a sudden his perspective has changed from one who would persecute uh, God and Jesus and the church, and he's actually one who's promoting God and Jesus and the church. And that's what happens when we have a proper perspective of God, that we will stop persecuting God and persecuting Christians and going against 
God's will for our lives, and we'll actually start promoting God's will for our lives and people around us. That's what happens, because when you realize who God is, man, you, you become part of his team. And Paul says in the first verse, he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. And we, we were talking about that a couple weeks ago. And it's like, how can he go from someone who's like, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was somebody. Like, I was going somewhere in life, man. Like, people knew me. I was important. And then now he's like, but now I'm a servant. He's like, I'm, I'm a doulos. I am the, the lowest of low. Like, I, I am nothing other than just, hey, I'm here to serve. God, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. And it wasn't a servant in the sense of, like, uh, like you have to do it. You must do it. The word does translate to slave, but it wasn't a slave as he was forced to. It was a bond servant or a slave who chose to stay. It's like, hey, your time is, is done. You can leave if you want. But Paul's like, but where else are we going to go? It's like Peter where he's like, and Jesus says, do you guys want to leave me too? And Peter says, where are we going to go, Lord? Help me if you know this, right? What does he say next? He's like, you have the words of eternal life. Where else is there to go? There is nowhere else to go. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And, man, we, and, and so when you realize that, it changes your perspective. And so... Uh, Paul's perspective has changed. He realizes who God is, how great he is, the magnitude of what he did, what he is doing, and what he will do. And hopefully that's what we do as well. It's like we realize what he's done in the Bible, in Scripture. We realize what he is doing in our life today. And we also hopefully realize what he is going to do. He says it in Revelation. We're looking forward to him, his return, to take us with him, that we would be with him in eternity. Where there's no more tears, there's no more pain, there's no more COVID-19, no more job loss, just prayer. Praise and worship of the Lord God Almighty day and night. Holy, holy, holy is He, God Almighty. So we realize this, and so when we realize and we have our perspective of who God is, it should result in a humble servant mindset, shouldn't it? Right? It should result in this. That makes sense. We're like, man, God, you are so great, so magnificent. You're the creator. Uh, Colossians 1.16 says that through him all things were created, through him and for him. It's like when we realize that all of a sudden, it's like, yes, God, I am yours anyways. You made me. I, I'm your servant, and I'm here to serve, willing to do anything that he asks. You see, where, where maybe we once pursued riches, or we once pursued money, fame, maybe recognition, comfort, maybe relationships, right? I think, come on, some of you guys got to be feeling this, right? Where we once pursued ourselves and our dreams, our goals. When we, when we let God fix our perspective and, and our perception of life, hopefully we realize that that's all so meaningless. And the only thing worth anything is to serve God. And that God is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is our provider. He is our protector. In times of uncertainty, when we're like, I don't know how the bills are going to get paid. Well, let's draw close to God. And God says that He will draw near to us. He is our provider. And so we don't pursue our own stuff anymore. Our perspective is, no, God, I'm here for you. So that when God would say, go somewhere, like Abraham, right, was it Genesis chapter 12? Um, he says, Abraham, go to the land that I will show you. And I just love that chapter, but it's, it's so crazy. It's so challenging. 
Because God says, go to the land that I'll show you. He doesn't say, hey, go hit up I-35, go south towards downtown Austin. You're going to make a right on, uh, on Cesar Chavez, and you're going to go to this place. No, he doesn't say those things. He's just like, hey, just go to the land that I will show you. And the crazy thing is it's not recorded. Maybe there was more conversation in it, but it's not recorded for us anyways uh, that Abraham had any questions. It was just like, hey, he packed up, got his family together, and they went. See, when we have the right perspective of God, and that he is God, that he is sovereign, that he knows everything, that he made us with the, for plans and purposes that are far beyond anything that we can think of or imagine, it shouldn't even be a question when he's like, hey, go to Austin and start a church. All right, Lord, you're God. I don't know how it's all going to work out. I don't know how I'm going to make bills uh get bills paid. I don't know how we're going to put food on the table, but you're God. And if you're calling me to it, you're going to get me through it, right? Amen, somebody? Come on now. And so again, another thing is like when God says, uh, when he says go somewhere, it shouldn't be a question. When God says let go of something, it shouldn't be a question, right? How many times does that happen in our life? God says, hey, let go of this thing because it's not good for you. Hey, let go of this addiction because it is killing you. Hey, let go of this friendship that is leading you completely and utterly astray. I know that you love them. I know that you care about them. But God's like, I got something better for you. Let go of that relationship that you think that you need, that you're finding value and worth through that person. And God's like, let go of that because I want to show you your real value. Right? And so when God says let go of something, it shouldn't be a question. It shouldn't be a debate. Well, God, I kind of like him. Oh, God, I kind of like her. God, I kind of like this thing. It should just be, no, God said it. So I'm going to obey it because I'm a servant of him. Because he is God and I am a human and his ways are so far above my ways. I don't understand it, but I just trust him that he is God and that he's going to do his job. And I'm just going to, I'm going to trust that he is good, that he is all-knowing, he's almighty, he's faithful, right? He's trustworthy. For some of you guys who have experienced this in your life, can I just get an amen? Give me some praise hands, something. God is trustworthy. He's faithful. If he said he's going to do something, he's going to do it. If you've experienced it in the chat, let somebody know. Say, man, I've seen God work in my life because he is real. He's alive and active. His word is alive and active. We're reading it tonight. But again, when we realize who God is and all these things, obeying Him shouldn't really be that hard. An example of it, as I was thinking through this, is my, my wife and son, they went up into the attic the other day, and there's this ladder that comes down, and some of you, maybe you have a ladder like this, right? It goes up into your attic. Well, my son was a little scared at first to kind of go up there, but he was brave enough. He went up this, the ladder pretty easy, right? But then coming back down was a little scary, and so I'm at the bottom of the ladder, and I just said, hey... Uh, and he's three, almost four years old, keep this in mind, right? I'm at the bottom of the ladder, and I'm like, hey, just come on down. And, you know, he's, he's a little scary, he's a little nervous. And you can see it in his face and in his demeanor and stuff. And I said, well, hey, daddy's here, just jump down to me. And so I hold my hands up to, to catch him, and it's not a real far way down, right? It's like, but he's a little scared, you can kind of see it in his face. But as I started to tell him, it's like, daddy's here, I'm going to catch you, don't worry. He realized that that was the truth, that... His dad's here, that I'm going to catch him, that I have his best interest in mind. And so with a little nervous look on his face, right, he jumped into my hands. I catch him. Uh, and I just think, I think that that's just like us. It, it, that should be us with God. Life with God is kind of like that. 
our perspective, our natural perspective, leads us to just try to stay comfortable, try to stay safe, try to stay in your um, realm of security, if you will, right? But God's like, no, but just jump. Just jump. Trust me. God's here. I'm here. I got your best interests in mind. I'm going to keep you from injury. I'm not going to hurt you or harm you, right? I don't have those kinds of plans or intentions to hurt you guys. And so God's like, I'm here. I got you. Just jump. And I think nervously a lot of times, some of us that were like my son, a little nervous smirk where we're like, ah, I don't know, but we jump anyways, right? Because faith is not, faith is not being without fear, guys. I think that's so, so we got that perspective so wrong. We're like, well, you got to have faith. Man up. You can't be afraid, right? It's like, no, no, faith is, hey, I might be afraid. I might be nervous, but I'm going in spite of my fear. There's a verse, and it's when Mary and the, the other uh, lady, they're, they're at the tomb, right? And Jesus is risen. And he says, go. And it's like, they're, it says that they ran with fear and excitement. Fear and excitement. They're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's happening or what's going to happen. And that's okay, but they kept going, and they kept doing what God called them to do. And that's what faith is, man. We just got to go. We go jump for it. And so perspective of God matters so that we can be a servant of God and say, God, here I am. Whatever you want me to do, I'm here for you. And that's what Paul does. It's like he used to persecute him, and now he's promoting him. And he's like, God, I'm here. I'm yours. You just sent me. I'll go. Perspective matters. Perspective matters, and perspective starts with ourselves. Last week, what we looked at is the power of thankfulness, of thanksgiving is essentially what we did. And I titled it a message, and I didn't even tell you guys the title that I, that I remember of, but a thankful perspective, a thankful perspective. A thankful perspective will change your life. I'll tell you that much. A thankful perspective will change your life. It will change your heart because a thankful perspective, ultimately, if it's rooted uh, properly would be rooted in God because we know that all good things come down from the Father of lights. All good things, like that being a friendship, that being our glass of water, a hot and cold shower, right? We've got a Bible to read in our hands here, right? we got a house to live in. All good things. Every good and perfect gift comes down from a Father of lights, our Father, our Father God. And so we looked at the power of thankfulness and how thankfulness or thanksgiving can change our attitude. And Paul, um, remember, he's writing this, he's in prison. Paul is in prison when he's writing Philippians, yet he writes in one of his first opening statements, he says that, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. I mean, that's just crazy, right? If you've ever been to prison or jail or had a friend or family member in prison or jail, the first words out of their mouth are not usually like, I, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so glad. I'm so happy, right? It's like, and maybe sometimes it is, right? It's like they try to use that. Like, oh man, I'm so thankful that you're doing good. And then you know what's coming next is like, hey man, can you put 50 bucks on my books, right? It's like they kind of use that as a setup. And anyways, Paul's in prison. And he doesn't do that whole setup like, hey, I'm so glad that you're doing good. Can you send me 50 bucks? And or he doesn't, he's not playing games. He, he is serious here. He's like, I, I'm thankful. I'm so thankful. So how can he be in prison, right? How can he be in this place of, of, of bad circumstances, right? I'm sure he's not getting fed great. I'm sure he's not sleeping great in the best place and the best circumstances and what he wants. Maybe not getting showers, right? What is his bathroom situation like? I don't know. Everyone's bathroom situation back then probably wasn't great. But anyways, like he's not in great circumstances, yet he's like, I I'm thankful. 
I thank God. See, a thankful perspective of your situation can change everything. It can change everything. See, uh, for me, and I might have shared some of this uh, last week, right? I'm working as a driver at FedEx, man. I wake up in the morning sometimes and I'm like, God, I'm tired. God, I'm sore, right? But, but see, a thankful perspective will change everything. And so in thankfulness, we saw last week, thankfulness comes from remembrance. If we remember, then we can start to be thankful. When we remember what we have, when we remember what we prayed for, when we remember what God has done and is doing, all of a sudden it produces this thankful heart inside of us. And so I'm like, God, I'm tired. God, I'm sore. God, I don't want to do this today, really, right? And, but then I remember, I'm like, but God... You called us to plant this church. You called us to move out to Austin, Texas. You called us to come here. And God, you gave me this job. This is your provision. And so since it's your provision and we are answering your call, I believe that we are in your will. We are following you. And so I'm thankful. I'm thankful for a job. I'm thankful that you would help God help us with just everything, right? That God, you're the one putting food on the table, not me. God, you're the one making the electric bills get paid, not me. God, I'm thankful. See, remembrance will bring forth thankfulness, and thankfulness, a thankful perspective, will change everything in your life, right? And so we'll be thankful. And so maybe some of you even tonight, as we're, or maybe later when you watch this or listen to this, you need a perspective change. And you need to take your perspective of depressed, down, discouraged, and you need to change it to one of thankfulness. You're sad. You lost your job, maybe. Right? Maybe you... Uh, your school's closed if you're in school, right? And now you're home more than ever before. And so it's real easy to get down and depressed and discouraged about those types of things. But man, let's change our perspective and let's remember what we do have. Well, let's remember, well, I got my kids here, right? It's like, I got my kids, so now I got more time with my kids than ever before. I saw this post a few weeks ago and I forget, I was trying to look it up today and I just couldn't find it. But essentially what it was saying was like in 20 years, how are we going to remember COVID-19 or the year 2020 um, as opposed to our kids who are growing up in this as well, right? Well, it was saying the parents or the adults, um, as they remember, like, hey, what do you remember about 2020? We'll be like, oh, well, it was the worst year ever. There's so much panic, so much anxiety, job loss, uncertainty. There was death. There was sickness, man. It was the worst time of life, right? And I think many of us are like, yeah, that's probably pretty correct. That's how we'll remember it. But our kids growing up through this, like my son, right, three, four years old, I don't know if he'll remember this even in 20 years, but if he does, it's like, he's going to be like, man, mom and dad were, were home more than ever. We were eating meals at the dinner table more than ever. We went on family walks. We watched movies together. We had dance parties together where we just had all kinds of fun, man. The kids are going to be like, it was the best time of life because we had so much family time. See, perspective matters, man. Can we just get the perspective of a child for a moment where it's like, hey, we don't need to worry about all these other things. Let God worry about that. Let God be God, and let's just enjoy what he's given. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Remember God. Remember God. Remember who he is. Remember what he has done. Remember what he has given you, big and small things, and be thankful. Be thankful. 
So those are the last two weeks. Let's get into tonight's study. And tonight's study I'm calling Perspective Reveals Purpose. Perspective Reveals Purpose. I believe that proper perspective will reveal a, a true sense of purpose in your life. Maybe tonight you're, you're struggling with purpose. Why am I here? Why am I going through this season right now? Why do I got to be sick? Why do I have to lose my job and everybody else gets to keep their job? Why do I have to suffer and other people get to enjoy? Maybe you're struggling with a sense of purpose. And I hope that tonight that this would help you in, in your understanding of Scripture, and your understanding and your perspective of who God is, your understanding and perspective of who you are. And so we're going to look to Paul. And so again, remember that he is in prison. He's not in a great place. He's in prison. Um, he's been there for, as far as we can tell, a while, maybe even up to two years. There's a, a case where Paul was in prison for two years. Some believe that this was during that imprisonment. We don't know for sure which um, imprisonment this was. Paul was arrested um, a few times. So this is one of them, though. And so again, his circumstances are not good. So whatever whatever you're in, whatever situation, try to relate with this and be like, but Paul, Paul understood. Maybe Nick doesn't understand. Maybe so-and-so and my mom and dad and my friends and my spouse, maybe they don't understand, but maybe we could look to Scripture tonight and we could be like, but Paul, man, if I could just talk to Paul, Paul understands and he could get it. And he could help me understand a little bit, man, and I just wish I could talk to Paul. Well, let's talk to him tonight. Let's hear what God speaks through Paul to us. And so Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 says this, I want you to know, brothers... Now, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. We're going to pause there. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And so first thing tonight is that we're going to see what Paul's doing is he wants them to have the right perspective. See, it would be very easy for Paul's friends, for the churches that he started, to hear about Paul's situation. What? Paul's arrested what? Paul's in prison? What are you talking about? Like, what did he do? Oh, well, you know, he was telling people that Jesus loves them and that he has a plan and a purpose for them and that he is building a place in, in heaven one day. He's going to come back and get them. And then, and then, and then people are going to be like, and they, they arrested him for that? Are you serious? Yeah, man, I swear I saw with my own eyes that they took him down, they beat him up, they scourged him almost to death sometimes, and then they threw him into prison and they took him captive. Right? Paul even writes about that in, uh, in one of his letters to the Corinthians. And he's just like, man, I was scourged, right? Which is like hit with the whip of nine, or the uh, cat of nine tails whip. Um, he's shipwrecked. All kinds of bad things happened to Paul. And so he's like, but I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened has really served to advance the gospel. He's like, hey, this hasn't been a setback. He's like, actually, it was a set up. It was a setup. See, so we need to stop looking at our situation and say, oh, this is a setback. Oh, 2020 was the year where everything just kind of got pushed back and my plans of what I thought was going to happen. Yeah, we're going to have to put that on the back burner and we're going to launch that next year. We're going to get our business plan together. We're going to remodel it. Um, all these things, right? It's like, no, this is not a setback right now. This is a setup for God to do something. And Paul knew that. And Paul's trying to help them have the right perspective of his situation. He doesn't want them to, to wonder what's going on, right? He doesn't want them to assume uh, stupid, crazy um, 
illogical, is that the word, even a word, right? Like, they, he doesn't want them to be like a teenager who's in their first relationship texting their, their other person who's in their relationship, like, oh, hey, what are you doing? And then five minutes later, oh, they haven't texted back yet. I, I wonder what they're doing. Uh, well, they well they said they were at work, but but they said they get a lunch break at work. So why hasn't he texted me back? Oh man, he must not like me, right? They jump to all these crazy assumptions and conclusions that are not proper, not right perspectives. And I think Paul's like, hey, I don't want you to assume things. I don't want you to think like all oh, these Roman soldiers, these people who have imprisoned Paul are bad. We should go out to just let's start a riot. Let's get everybody. We're gonna make a movement and we're gonna go break him out. No, he's like, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to do that. I want you to have the right perspective of my situation. Um, and, he, and one thing is, he just I hope you see, is left to ourselves, we will make the wrong conclusions in life. We'll look at our situation. Well, I lost my job. Well, why didn't that person lose their job? Right? And then we just wonder all day long and it tears us up inside. It leads us to wrong thinking, wrong views of God, wrong views of people, where we start to feel hatred towards people, right? We're like, and we start to, to, to loathe them. And it's like, man, why do we do that? Well, because we don't, because we're left to ourselves and we make our own conclusions. Well, Paul's like, hey, I just want you to know, guys, I know you think it's bad. I know it sounds bad that I'm in prison, right? That's not a good sentence. That's not a good Thing to say. It's not a very positive thing, but I want you to know that it actually is a, is a great thing. It, it couldn't be any better right now, is almost what he's like. And so we need to know that we need people in our lives like Paul. People who will tell us the truth. People who are going to be like, hey, I know it looks bad right now, but man, look at what God is doing. Right? Look at what God is doing. And so we need to know it's like God created us for to be with each other, right? He created us for community. He created us for community. If you're if you're streaming online, following along with us, say that with me. He created us for community. God created us for community. Community with Him and community with others. We are social beings. I went to counseling for a while, um, and it was substance abuse counseling, essentially, for about three years, and I saw a counselor all the time, and he just told me once, he said, you are a social being, Nick. You're a social being, and you will find community wherever you got to find it. He's like, whether that's good community in the church, good fellowship, um, you'll find it there. But if you don't find it there, he's like, you'll go find bad community because you are a social being. God created us to be social and engaged with community. And you will find that somewhere in some way, shape, or form. And so God's created us for, for life with each other. And so we need each other. And let me just ask you this. Is, would it be loving of Paul? If he just left them to their own assumptions, yeah, I got in prison, I'm locked up, they won't let me out. So come on, someone, Acon. Um, but would it be loving of him to just let them have their own assumptions? Right? It would be very easy for Paul to get down and depressed and discouraged and be like, man, I'm in prison. I don't really want to write anybody because I'm, I mean, look, I'm in prison. And it, it, you know what I mean? Like, how, how discouraging would it be? Like, if we were in his shoes, we'd probably be like that. Like, I don't really want to do anything. I don't, I'm just in a bad place right now. I don't want to write someone. And I definitely don't want to try to write something positive and encouraging to somebody right now. Like, you know what I'm saying? But Paul's like, no, I want you to know that what has happened to me is actually a good thing. See, he wants them, he wants them to know the truth. 
Proverbs 27, 6 says this, that faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. I know it's a weird sentence, right? It's a weird concept. Like, why would a friend hurt you? Well, friends don't hurt each other to just to hurt each other. They hurt each other to help each other. You see, when a friend comes to you and says, hey man, I don't think the relationship that you're in, that your boyfriend or girlfriend is good for you, man, and I've seen the way you've acted and the way you've kind of drifted away from the Lord, right? It's like a, a friend would tell you that, and that would hurt, and that might even hurt the friendship. But that's what a real friend would do. They're going to tell you the truth. They're going to say, hey man, I've seen some of the things that you've been posting on Instagram and, and Facebook, and I just don't know, man. I think the content's a little, a little, um, I don't know, inappropriate. I think that it's a little frightening. Maybe it's depressing, and you're like, hey, I just want to check in with you right now, right? And see how you're doing. Because what you're saying out there, it's, a, it's concerning to me. And so faithful are the wounds of a friend. A friend will say the real things. A friend will bring up things that it's like, hey, I, didn't, I don't want to talk about that right now. And the friend would be like, I know you don't want to talk about it, but we need to because we got a problem. And so he's like, faithful, Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And it says that, the, but the enemy, the enemy multiplies kisses. Multiplies kisses means like, means like, hey, I see that relationship you're in. And even though in their mind, they're like, I know it's wrong. I know they shouldn't be in that. I know they shouldn't be pursuing that. They're like, hey, man, I'm so happy for you, right? Like that's multiplying kisses. That's just giving encouragement to continue going down this wrong path, right? It's like by letting others go their own way and do their own thing and just assume whatever they want, um, their own perspective. When you do that, you're acting like the enemy. You're multiplying kisses that are just leading them down a road of destruction. But when we tell people the truth in love, Right? Even though it might hurt, it's to help help heal. Uh, we would rebuke them in love. We're actually acting like God. We're actually walking in love towards that person. See, a true friend will correct false perspectives and misguided attitudes. No matter what. Some of my friends, man, and I... I love it, but I hate it, right? It's like they know that I'll just tell them the truth. When they ask me a question, like I'm just that kind of guy. I'm pretty blunt. I wear my heart on my sleeve. Like even if I wanted to try to hide if I was excited or if I was angry, it's like you're still going to know because I just wear my heart on my sleeve, right? But they're like, Nick, man, he'll just tell you how it is, man. And he's, one of my friends is like, I'm just thankful that you do. He's like, it sucks sometimes, but you do. And it's like that's just what I want to be. I want people to know. Like I want to help you see the truth of who you are and the situation you're in whether it's good or bad or ugly, and what God can do in this thing. And so a true friend will help correct false perspectives of other friends and family members um, to help them get a correct perspective, a godly perspective. And that's what Paul's doing here. I want you to know that what's happening to me really isn't as bad as you think it is. And so he says this, verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, again, um, has really served to advance the gospel. A couple words I want to highlight there. He says, I want you to know that what has happened, what has happened to me. See, he's not ignoring reality. See, I think many times as Christians, like we, we just try to pretend like that didn't happen. We try to just kind of brush it off, right? I've heard people say before, like, as a Christian or in 
more specifically as a pastor, we got to have the backs like a, a duck but the skin of a rhinoceros, right? So we got to have tough skin, but we got to have the back of a duck to just let things just roll off us. And I believe that's true to an extent, but that doesn't mean that we just that doesn't mean we just forget about it or pretend that it didn't happen, right? See, Paul's like, what has happened to me? Me being in prison, right? Maybe he's even alluding to things that they know that he doesn't write down because he's like, just by him saying what has happened, they're like, oh yeah, I remember. I remember when they arrested you, when they pulled you out of your house and beat you up, maybe. Who knows what the situation was, right? He says, what has happened to me? So he's not denying the fact that something happened to him. He's not... Um, arguing or pro protesting against it, he just states, um, he kind of states and Im implies or alludes to his circumstances briefly, but what I love about it is that he doesn't let, let his perspective get negative. He doesn't focus on or really mention anything negative about what has happened to him. And a few things that I think we can learn from that is a, a positive attitude, a positive perspective will do us some good, even in a negative circumstance. A negative attitude um, will only breed more negativity, right? Come on. A negative attitude will only bring more negativity, uh, breed more negativity, which is destructive. Uh, negative thinking, negative living, right? Living uh, not according to God's law and His rule and His plan for your life, right? Just negative things are destructive. And check this out, negative attitudes. Hebrews 12, 15, it says this, See to it that no root of bitterness, I think bitterness when we, we could say is like a negative attitude, right? It's not a good thing. The people who are bitter are very negative all the time. He says, no root of bitterness, uh, see to it that no root of bitterness springs up, and by it many become dis, uh, defiled. You see, he's saying, he's like, don't let negativity come up in you. Don't let bitterness come up in you, because if it does, he's like, it will defile many. Negativity will breed more negativity. And I think Paul knew this. And so he doesn't waste time talking about his circumstances and his situation, right? How much time do we waste sometimes, guys, talking about our circumstances and our situation? How bad it is that we lost our job? How bad it is that we're in this situation? Oh, man, i got to be home with my kids again all day long. Man, when is this going to end? When can we put them back in school? When can we go to the park again? Just things like that, right? He, Paul doesn't waste time on those things. But he does mention, he says, what has happened it was real. It, it did happen. And so I don't want to make light of what has happened in your life or what you're going through. Maybe you did lose your job. Maybe you are sick or you've lost a loved one or maybe you, you just are in this season of uncertainty. It has happened. It is real. It's happening now. But let me just give you some encouragement from Paul and his, his style of writing. Don't dwell on that. Don't dwell on what has happened. Just look forward to what God can do out of it. God works all things together for good. He doesn't just take the good things and works them together for good. No, he'll take the bad things and he'll, he'll work them together for good, right? What was it? Joseph, he says what men and what people meant for evil, God uses for good, right? Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. Like how cruel and messed up is that? But then God used what they meant to hurt him. And he actually, God brought Joseph to be like the second in command um, next to Pharaoh in Egypt. Like that's just crazy, right? It's like, man, God used something bad being sold into slavery and he used it for good and brought him into, into uh, 
the, the palace, the pyramids, I don't know what it's called in Egypt. But don't dwell on what has happened. Look forward to what God can do through it. Find the good. Find the God things in the bad things, if that makes any sense. And so what I'll say too is find purpose through your perspective. Find, use your perspective on something and find some purpose. Find some purpose. Well, maybe me losing my job right now has given me this, this new perspective to not look so much on myself as, as me being the provider, but now I actually need to pray and ask God, say, God, I need, I need you to give me my daily bread because I don't have any. Whereas before I had a whole fridge and pantry full of food and everything, but now I don't got no job. I don't know how I'm going to eat tomorrow. God, I need you today. So maybe that's the perspective you need to have where it's like, hey, we're not going to dwell on what has happened, but we're going to look forward to what God can do. And he's going to show himself faithful. He's going to be your provider, your protector, and he's going to glorify himself in some way, shape or form. That doesn't mean that everything's going to get better tomorrow. Like it might be hard joke, man. It was like things got worse and worse and worse but he just kept serving the Lord and God kept protecting him and God kept kept him safe there so back to what Paul says I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel what what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel let me ask you a question can you like Paul, take something bad, a circumstance, being in prison, being in jail, and turn it into a perspective to serve something good? See, that, I think, is a mark of a good, strong, mature Christian. Someone who can take a bad situation and say, yeah, this happened, but man, but look what, what could happen. Paul says, verse 13, he says, uh, so that has been become known throughout the whole imperial, imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Type it in the chat. Is for Christ. It is for Christ. Maybe what we're going through right now is bad. It, I, it's very uncertain. I don't know how we're going to get through it. I'm having trouble being positive, but it is for Christ. He's going to glorify himself somehow, some way, some shape, some form. Type it in the chat. It's for Christ. Whatever I'm going through today, it's because God is almighty. He knows what he's doing. Even though evil per, per, uh, evil exists in the world and he allows it to happen, he's going to use it for good in some way, shape, or form. I believe it. It's for Christ. He works all things together for good. For those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Come on now. So he says, it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard. He's saying everybody knew. Everybody up in this prison, man. Everybody in this place where I was held a prisoner, they knew why I was there. So he, Paul made the most of every opportunity that he had. See, when he saw, when Paul experienced what we would say is opposition, he, Paul, saw an opportunity. When, he, when people say, oh man, he, opposition, man, it must be so hard. Paul's like, no, it's actually so good. I have this opportunity. It's pretty amazing. People are always asking me, why am I in here, man? What'd you do? Right? If you've ever been to jail or prison, you know that like everybody asks everybody what they did, right? I was in jail for a couple days and then um, it was for a DUI and there's a couple other guys, actually a lot of guys who got in there for a DUI at the same time and they're like, oh, what did you blow? Like, you know, your blood alcohol content 
into the breathalyzer and everybody's asking these things, right? And I remember someone asked me, oh, what did you blow? I was like, 0.000. They're like, well, why are you here? I was like, I don't know, man. <laughs> you got me, right? Um, and looking back on it now, I'm like, I, I was there because God was slowing me down. Right? I can have that perspective that, uh, tw- uh, what do you call it, um, hindsight is 2020. I can look back and I'm like, God was slowing me down and he was doing something. It's like, I, anyways, what, what we would see as, a, as opposition or an obstacle, Paul sees as an opportunity. Like, I'm locked up, man, but I'm going to let everybody know why I'm here. Like, I'm going to let them know, yep, I was preaching on the corner, man. I was trying to tell people that they could be forgiven and that God has a life for them and a plan for them. And he wants to use them in just new, exciting ways. And that God came down as a man named Jesus. Jesus lived on the earth, right? You might have heard of him, right? Some of these people in jail, like, oh, yeah, I heard him. Yeah, oh, man, my mom and dad, they actually saw him crucified on the cross. Like, just imagine back in that day and age. And so Paul's like, yeah, uh, and that guy, he died for you and I on the cross. And he didn't just die. He went and he was buried. They put a stone over the over the tomb. But man, a stone, a man's doing, man's uh, trying to keep the truth out. They will never uh, keep the truth out. And so God just broke that stone down. And God came out of the grave, and his name's Jesus. And he's going to make a place for us. Man, and you know, so Paul's like, I'm making an opera, I'm I'm taking this as an opportunity, taking everything that I got. Where many would see a problem, Paul sees purpose. Come on. Where many see a problem, Paul sees purpose. And he, he lets people know what's up again. He lets them know that his imprisonment, again, say it with me, is for Christ. Man, can we say that about our perspective? Like, hey, I'm in this situation right now, and it is for Christ. You know what I mean? Like, for me, man, I'm like, I'm tired. I'm sore every morning because I'm working this job, working harder than I've ever worked in my life. Not like I had a lazy attitude, but like it's physically demanding more than any other job that I've ever worked. Um, And so, like, I'm tired and stuff. But, man, me, I look at it, and I have to remind myself. I have to remember I got to be thankful, man, that God, I prayed for you to provide for me and my family. You've provided this job. Therefore, this is from you. Therefore, I'm thankful. I'm grateful for whatever you would give me. And I'm just here to serve God. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I'm tired. I'm sore today. But I'm still going to go forward with a good attitude. I'm going to try and be a light, be positive, even though all the rest of the people there might be negative, right? And I'm going to try to be a light because I am here. I'm where I'm at, where I'm working. It is for for Christ. Come on, guys. It's for Christ. Can you look at your situation? It's like, man, I'm going through whatever I'm going through, but it's so that Christ can be glorified. So that they can have a God story where it's like, yeah, I lost my job. I lost my ability to provide for myself, but God provided. God showed himself faithful and true. It is for Christ. So Paul's just unashamed. But let me ask you guys, that when we run into things like this, what we would call opposition, are we so bold? When you are at work, right, and people catch on to things too. People aren't dumb. You know, maybe you're like a closet Christian, and but you go to work, right, and people will notice all of a sudden, like, hey man, why aren't you, why, why don't you, I notice you're not cussing as much anymore. Why don't you cuss anymore? Hey, I noticed that you don't come out with us after work anymore so much. Like, what's up with that? Hey, I I noticed that you're not doing what you used to do so much anymore. Right? 
And so those things will naturally happen. See, like Paul, he's just in prison. Like, that naturally happens. Like I said, I was in jail. Where it's like people will just naturally ask, like, what, what are you here for? Like, there's nothing else to do. Let's kill some time. Give me a good story, something. It's like, so they're probably, like, all sharing their stories. Like, oh, I killed somebody. I stole something. And Paul's like, oh, I was just preaching love and Jesus and God. And they're like, what? Right? Like, all of a sudden, he just, he's like, I, I don't care. I'm unashamed. But how many of us, we get those opportunities in life where it's like, hey, why are you living the way you're living? And then we back down from them. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, I think it's because we don't have that good perspective. We, we care more about what people think than what God thinks. I'll be straight up honest with you guys, man. Like, when I moved here um, to Texas, there was a job interview I had the first couple days I was here. They asked me, why did I move here? And it was the first time I'd ever been asked that from somebody outside of uh, my family and church in Tucson, right? And it was the first time someone was like, well, why are you going there? And I was like, honestly, I paused for a second, and I didn't want to tell them because I was like, I'm going to look so crazy, Right? Let me just be honest with you. Guys, come on. Don't leave me hanging. You know what I'm talking about. You've done it too, right? Where someone is like, hey, why do you live the way you live? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why do you go to church every weekend? How come you don't come out to the bar with us anymore? Well, can we be so bold like Paul and just make the most of every single opportunity where we're like, hey, it's become known at my whole workplace that I'm here for Christ that I'm here for Jesus so that I can show you guys him, but that so God will show himself faithful in your life too. How amazing is that? How amazing is that? So if we could just take every moment, every op obstacle, and turn it into an opportunity, maybe we'll see Jesus just shine through. See, some, these are some of the biggest moments, I would say, that we can shine for Jesus. Some of you would ask, how can I be a Christian? How can I be an effective witness. It's like, just tell people about it. When people ask, people will ask. They're going to say, hey man, why are you so nice to that dude when he, all he did was cuss you out? Because God forgave me, man, and who am I to hold something against them? Boom. We can represent Jesus to the world. Use your perspective of a situation and find purpose. The next verse, we're going to get through these last couple of verses pretty quick. Verse 14 he says, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. See, Paul being bold, Paul being confident, Paul not backing down, right? Taking every obstacle, every moment, every uh, thing of opposition, making it into an opportunity, shining bright, letting everybody know the other people who are seeing it are like, oh man, if Paul can do it, I can do it. You see, like what I said is like when people are just like, hey, why don't you, why, why are you so nice? Why do you forgive that dude when all he did was just cuss you out, right? It's like when you just say, well, God forgave me, so who am I to withhold forgiveness from him? And then another younger Christian who might hear that or see that is going to be like, wow, that was so easy, so simple, yet so profound. And then, and then they might realize like, I can do that too. Like, Christianity, living for God, is not some complex formula. It's just simple, man. It's loving, forgiving each other, um, being the lights of the world, man, like trying to spread the good news. And so when people see it, like your purpose is to help make disciples of other people, teach other people what Jesus taught us, and to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the Great Commission. That's the Great Commission. And so as we fulfill our purpose, 
And again, I believe that our purpose can be revealed through our perspective. As we look at who God is, we realize who God has created us to be and what he's created us to do. And that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so again, it reveals that purpose. That purpose to love. Love God and love people. And so then as we're loving God and loving people, part of our purpose is to, is to duplicate that into other people. Make disciples. Teach them that. And that's what Paul is doing. Just quite literally, it's happening. He's like, and many people, because of my imprisonment, because I'm here, because I'm in chains, because I got arrested that one day, because they, they beat me unlawfully, whatever the case was, right? It's like, he's like, many people, because of me being here, are more bold to speak for Christ. And he's like, and that's a good thing. They're, you know what I'm saying? He's changing their perspectives. Like, guys, it's not as bad as you think. It's actually really great. Praise God. And then he says, verse 15, he says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, which I think we can agree are not good things. Doing anything out of, en out of an envious spirit or heart or motive is not good. Out of a rival heart is not good, right? It's like we shouldn't be trying to compete with each other. We are on the same team. We should be trying to work and labor together in unity. So he says, some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. So you got two teams. Some of them are good. They're doing it out of a good heart. Some of them out of a bad heart, man. And he says this. He says, the latter do it out of love, right? The good ones doing it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. Verse 17, the former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition. Not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. So he's like, these peop people over here are doing it out of love and out of a good heart. And they're just preaching the gospel. They're preaching Jesus. And he's like, these people, they're doing it out of selfish ambition, trying to hurt me. They're like, hey, Paul's in jail. Come to our church, right? It's like, oh, he, he's crazy. See, I knew he was crazy all along. But let me tell you about Jesus. And let me take you through a study in Matthew chapter 1. And, right? it's like, and they're pre preaching Christ too, though. Understand that. And he says this. He says, what then? In verse 18, he says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense, right, the rivalry and, and the envious position, he says, or in truth, the ones that are, are doing it out of love, he says, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. And in that I rejoice. See, Paul's purpose is being revealed through his perspective. He's like, hey, I'm in prison. It's not, it doesn't seem good, right? He's like, I'm here. Uh, what does he say? He says, um, what had happened to me? This is the real deal. I'm not trying to, to try and be uh, ignorant of life and reality. He's like, it has happened. But man, what has happened is actually served to, to advance the gospel. I've had so many opportunities I know you think there are obstacles and opposition and it's crazy and I should get out. He's like, but honestly, this is really good. And God's using me in this. And so he's like, and so whether there's people preaching Christ out of a wrong motive or heart or they're preaching out of a good motive, he's like, they're preaching the gospel and the gospel is the gospel. And he's like, and in that I rejoice. My perspective is that, man, even if there's people who, who are a little misguided and the people who aren't so misguided, as long as they can see what I'm doing, what I'm going through, and that this, whatever's going on with me, helps encourage them to preach Christ. He's like, amen. Use me, Lord. I'm here. I'm your servant. If that's what you want to do, then you do it. 
right? Come on. Amen, right? Amen. Like, man, whatever comes our way, if we could look at it with the right perspective, we could find purpose. And like, God, even though this is happening, even though I'm going through this, even though I don't know how it's going to turn out on the other side of this whole thing, it's like I could look at it with a godly perspective, a, uh, a perspective of faith, a perspective of faith, and then I can trust you, and then that will reveal purpose, where it's like, man, this sucks right now, but God is doing something, because He's always doing something, and if I would just stay the course, if I would just keep pushing through to the end, soon enough, man, I'm going to see God work all these things together for good. And you're going to re realize that, man, I was living a life of purpose the whole time. You're going to realize as you push through the uncertain times and as you, as you keep, to move, keep moving forward, you're going to realize that people are watching you. And it might not be a huge group, it might not be thousands of people, but it might just be one or two. Maybe your son or your daughter at home. Maybe your brother or your sister. Maybe your best friend. Maybe your classmate or your, uh, uh, your uh, co-worker. They're the ones watching you, and they're going to see you push through. And maybe they're not going to say anything for a long time, but then when they see you persevere and face trial after trial, and you turn a uh, moment of opposition into a moment of opportunity for Christ to be proclaimed, they're going to see that. And that's what it's about, guys. That's what it's about, is showing Christ through everything, the good and the bad. Amen. Can I get an amen if you agree? If you're hanging in there with me tonight, um, that is the end of our study tonight. So I want to end this with some prayer um, and then a couple announcements and we'll get out of here. So Father God, we thank you for your word. It is good, God. It is rich. And I pray that people tonight as they tuned in, that they're seeing and sensing, God, how powerful and just how, mm, how good your word is. God, I, want, I pray that they would get the perspective that they can go straight to your word and get this good word to God. They don't need to go through a pastor or a church service all the time, God, but they can go directly to you. And I pray that you give us a hunger and thirst this week, Lord, that we would come to you to hear from you, to hear direction, Lord, to get encouragement, to get a proper perspective so that we can have proper perception and understanding of what it is we're going through and facing right now, God, and that we can look forward to the future just in great expectation that you're going to use everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, to, to work it all together for good for you, to bring you glory at the end of this thing. So God, help us to persevere through our trials. Help us to just not be ignorant of the reality that we're facing, Lord, not to try to pretend like it didn't happen, but we could say like Paul, it has happened, but it's not holding us down, God, and we're going to keep moving forward in faith. Even though we might have a little bit of fear, we're going to see you work. We're going to just keep pushing forward, God, and it is for you that we live. It's for you that we even die, God. And Lord, we love you and protect us this week. Lord, we pray that you heal the world of COVID-19, that you would just kill the virus completely, Lord, that you would heal those who are infected with it, Lord, stop the spread, God, and that you would just bring peace to the earth, Lord, and that you would bring your word, your, your powerful, life-changing word to so many, God, that we would pe see people humble themselves, turn to you and start praying, God. And then we start to see people healed like never before, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. And we said, guys, come on, type it in the chat. Amen. Amen.